welcome to The Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. My name is Tucker Anderson. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm the Roseville Campus Pastor for Calvary Church uh, here in Roseville, Minnesota. We also have a campus in in White Bear, and I'm on uh, today with our Senior Pastor, Sean Winters. And Sean, you just preached a message this past weekend about the spiritual gifts in the church and the role that the, the Holy Spirit plays in the church. I thought today would be a good opportunity to talk a little bit more about the role of the Spirit as we see the Holy Spirit play a, a critical function in the Old Testament, in the life of Jesus, in the life of the church. And so before we get into the role of the Spirit in the church today mm-hmm. uh, and the various gifts that we see in the church, right. maybe let's just walk through the Old Testament. What, what role do we see the Holy Spirit playing in the Old Testament? Yeah, the, the Spirit existed and so at the very beginning it said that in the creation experience in Genesis chapter 1 it says the spirit hovered over and so the spirit was existent in eternity just like father and son and uh, and then we see the spirit coming on for specific tasks um, and we see the Holy Spirit not present in not a permanent resident in the Old Testament but that shows up at different times to perform different tasks and and to fill um, for for a specific uh, experience or a, a task that God has laid out on behalf of uh, an individual for the kingdom or the kingdom work that's going on there. Maybe let's point to some of those passages. Yeah. Uh, what 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 are some specific passages we could go to to see that? Uh, so you already mentioned Genesis one one, um, where we see the Spirit's role in creation. But where do we see the Spirit? Um, come upon somebody for a specific task? <laughs> yeah, good question. You, you you pointed to a couple of them this morning. and, and uh, So yeah, one was Judges 14, 19, uh, where we see the, the spirit come upon Samson. Yeah, what a great story. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those kind of, you know, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, uh, Judges 14, 19. And he went down and he accomplished with great power. Um and and so it you know it almost comes as a surprise. We see this great strength in Samson. We see that he's doing these things, and and we know that it's somehow this is what God wanted. But but then that great statement: the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and accomplished um, you know a, a feat of strength, um, kind of an amazing way. And and so we we pause and say, okay, did the spirit stay? Did the spirit was it not preexistent? And and it seems like the spirit showed up for a specific task and a specific time and a specific reason. Another one, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, verses 12, uh, 12b to 13, the Lord uh, said, anoint him. So this is uh, speaking about David here. Um, For he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. So that's another passage that I think we clearly see that the Spirit's coming upon and anointing David, in this case, for a specific role, and that ultimately is the role of the king, uh, but also yeah. for a specific task as well. Yeah, and I, and I think that we see in the Old Testament this idea of on, so the Spirit comes on, um, comes upon Samson, comes upon David, and and so it, it it's a different operation from what we experience today. And as we look back, we say, well, then somehow the spirit was interacting differently. And and uh, while, while the purpose of the spirit was unchanged, the the um, interaction with and the presence in 
is different. So he comes on in the Old Testament in these two instances. Joel, uh, the prophet Joel in chapter 2, verse 28, looks forward to a time that I think you're hinting at where yeah. the Holy Spirit not only just comes upon now, but actually indwells yeah. within the believer. And, here, and here's uh, Joel 2, 28, after this I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. And that had to have been for the original audience, I imagine, quite a shocking <laughs> comment that right. you, know, you think, especially in the first century Israel, there's this idea that you know, God blesses Israel and Gentiles are cursed. Right. And here we have Joel saying, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. And we see this as actually one of the passages that Peter quotes from in his first yeah, sermon in Acts, in Acts two. chapter 2. Yeah. Um, so this is something that, as we see here, was looked forward to in the Old Testament. How do we begin to see this being fulfilled in the life of Jesus in the New Testament. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a good point that that oftentimes the the prophetic word that's brought to the people probably hit them strangely and sometimes in some ways they probably didn't understand what in the world that was all about. They're like, this just can't be because it didn't fit my current reality. Mm-hmm. So, so it was prophetic in that it was foretelling. It's looking forward to a place and time when this new reality would, would take place. And Peter brings it up in Acts 2 and Again, in the last days, God says, "I'll pour out my spirit," and it's you know on all people, and um, you know it says, "I will pour out my spirit in those days." So there's just kind of a new operation. So while the spirit came individually on specific people for specific tasks, you see Samson, you see David, you don't see Samson and his family, you don't see David and the kings of Israel. Um, it's specific, and now there's a new change, and now the spirit is coming in a new way. And I think we could say with, so while it was on for a specific situation, now the spirit is with people, dwelling some way in them, pour out my spirit, still use some of that word of on, but it's it's like this is somehow different. It's widespread. Um, there's a new age. There's a new operation of the spirit. And in this case, it's dreaming dreams. It's prof- prophecy. It's praise. It's worship. It's you know, it's it's not getting the gifts yet, um, but it, it but it is is uh, you know, bringing glory to God Almighty. And I think you're right too that it's highlighting a new reality that it, for the for Joel the the prophet is is still off in the in the future something he was anticipating awaiting. Yeah. And I think with the ministry of Jesus, and then of course with the church, the sending of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we see this new reality uh, begin to. Uh, break in in sort of an already not yet way. Yeah. Because uh, certainly it's not fully here what Joel was anticipating, but it is here in some sense. Yeah. Even and it, we, we await the full manifestation of it in the future. Right. Well, back in seminary, remember a, um, a German phrase called the Sitzenleben, the, the idea that um, there's a time and place. So this was written in a time and place and it would be perceived in one way. And then Peter spoke it, and that's a different setting. It's a different sits in Laban. And then it was written for a purpose that he that um, that Luke put it into his gospel. And then we read it. And so we're we're completely different then and we're looking back, but we're looking back through three different settings. And so we just need to be aware of that. And I and I think you're right. We're seeing a, a transition here. Um, Peter saw a transition here, and Luke, when he put together this this uh, telling of the church history, 
he, he sees a change that's coming and, and wants to highlight that. That's a good $100 phrase that uh, I would I'd, I'd, I'd encourage our readers, if you can use the, the phrase, sit some laven in your daily conversation, let us know uh, via email this week. There you go. Um, I want to turn to the baptism of Jesus because I see the baptism as, in some sense, the anointing of Jesus for his ministry. And um, so, you, you know, a very familiar passage, but uh, it says, Jesus came, this is Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized. And John, of course, you know, says, you know, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. Um, Jesus is baptized. And then in verse 16, it says, When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And I can't help but see that that an echo of David and yeah. the anointing of David in, in that First Samuel uh, 16 chapter. So I see this as a really anointing of Jesus for his role as the uh, uh, the suffering servant king as we yeah. see the gospels really portray Jesus here. Right. This is the inauguration of the ministry, the kind of coming to the public with what Jesus, who he is, um, and then what he's called to do. And and it is an interesting thing to say it, you know, that the spirit was not on in this way and the spirit came on Christ in a new way at this moment. Um, it's hard to think about Christ not being spirit filled, but but, you know, there's something that took place here mm-hmm. and and Christ and God in his sovereignty wanted us to understand that, see that. Yeah. And it's saying, hey, this is I mean, the text says this is a it's an inauguration kind of experience. So this is my son mm-hmm. in whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. And then immediately he was called into the wilderness for testing. So yeah, it is, um, it's kind of a fascinating text when you pause and think, okay, where was the spirit? Where is the spirit? Why did the spirit come? I mean, then we come to Acts chapter two, which is probably when we think of the role of the Holy Spirit is probably one of the first uh, places we go when we, we think of the role of the Holy Spirit. But in the, in this passage, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon the the apostles, um, says like tongues of fire. Hmm. And when we look through the Old Testament, we see that when fire is mentioned, um, it um, oftentimes is uh, uh, a sign that God's presence is there. Yeah, we see that with you know, the burning bush with Moses, yeah. for instance. We see that God coming down as a pillar of fire on Mount Sinai. And, and here we have God coming upon God the Holy Spirit coming upon these apostles like tongues of fire. And it's amazing to me that here you have them speaking in languages, different languages, um, to all those who are gathered in Jerusalem for the Pentecost festival. And I see this as sort of a reversal of Genesis um, chapter 10 with the, the Tower of, tower of Babel, mm-hmm. or Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel, as you see all these nations gather but then they disperse and go back to go back to their uh, their homelands with the good news of the gospel yeah that going out like God called Abraham uh, to do to, to fill uh, well called Adam to do to fill the earth yeah calls Abraham to be a blessing to the nations and now we see that blessing of the nations yeah going, going out. out through them and and it yeah the wording here again it's really important in verse four it says that and all of them were filled with uh, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so, 
there's this indwelling. It's um, it's not on, it's not upon, it's with. And there's something where now the spirit's on the inside and moving, stirring, giving them tongues, giving them foreign languages. Um, yeah, and for la- foreign languages that were understandable and, and evangelistic. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, as you said, going to the nations. But this is a this is an amazing passage where wind, uh, violent wind, and tongues of fire, and and the Holy Spirit fills them. They're they're filled with the Holy Spirit, which is an awesome. So again, we have a another transition of how the Spirit works with the, in the life of the believer. You're listening to the raw roast, and I'm talking with Pastor Sean today about looking at a biblical theology of the role of the Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I see this as really laying the groundwork for some of the, the practical ways that we see the Spirit at work in the church today, um, in particular through the work of uh, 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 the spiritual gifts yeah. that God gives to the believers, uh, and something that you really touched on in your message from this past weekend. Uh, before we get there, though, of talking through some of these specific gifts, uh, I think the filling of the Spirit that we see here in, at Pentecost in the book of Acts, I think we probably would uh, diverge a little bit from what those in a Pentecostal tradition would say, where there's a difference between being uh, baptized in the Spirit uh, versus just our water baptism or a f- later filling of the Holy Spirit. How do, how do we see that in a, in a Baptist tradition, or at least in in Calvary's church tradition, yeah. how do we see the role of the the filling of the Spirit? Is it something that's different from the moment one comes to faith in Christ? Is it a simultaneous yeah. thing? I mean, this is probably a big yeah, question, we would, but we would certainly land in the theological camp of a simultaneous. So, when someone comes to faith in Christ, they place their faith in Christ alone for salvation. Then um, there's this imputed righteousness. So there's a gift. There's a, a, a new standing. We're justified, and um, so, so that's the salvation piece, but then the Spirit, the Spirit comes in, and it isn't a second, it isn't a second e- event. Um, it's not something that you work up towards. The Spirit comes and is present in the, the life of the believer. Now, what we would also say is that then that needs to be understood and developed and, and um, fleshed out that we can be responsive to the Spirit in us or we can be resistant to the Spirit in us. But it isn't to say that there are some believers without the Spirit and some believers with. So as, uh, you know, as you're listening to this here, you're, you're probably thinking, oh, this, is, this is a lot of, uh, a lot of theology yeah, and going theology, to different, different passages. But one of the reasons why I wanted to do this was to really highlight that this is, uh, th- this is a really a rich foundation upon which we see the work of the Holy Spirit in the church today yeah. uh, through the, the manifestation of the spiritual gifts. And so let's maybe talk through what are the spiritual gifts. You mentioned a few of them in your message this past Sunday that Paul highlights in Romans chapter 12, verses yeah. 3 to 8. But there are other passages as well that he mentions spiritual gifts. So maybe let's just talk through, if someone wanted to go find those other passages, where would they need to look? And then what are some of the other spiritual gifts that uh, we see Paul highlight in his letters. Yeah, you know, one of the things I did on Sunday, and uh, for those that were there, um, you know, I walked through seven different gifts and kind of did an explanation, and I don't 
do that often in a sermon, kind of do a big old long list and try to define each term. But but I felt it was important uh, just to walk through the seven that he highlighted to kind of explain maybe why they're in the list and where they land in the list and that interaction. But yeah, there are um, you know various passages. So 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4 are probably the primary ones I go to to say, you know, what gifts are listed and how are they different? And I was talking to someone right after the service and I I just said, hey, thank you. You have the gift of a servanthood. You're a great server. And her immediate response was, no, my primary gift is administration. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) awesome. I I appreciate that and how you, yeah, she goes, I just love organizing people to to, to do servant work. Um, Someone else on Saturday night, I just said, thank you for hosting us for this wonderful meal and a time in your home. And I appreciate your servant heartedness. And, and um, as I reflect, I'm not, nah, it's hospitality that the woman loves her, her and her husband. I mean, they're hospitable people and that is a gift that's called out. So that there's variety. Um, but one of the things I want to highlight and we could jump into some specifics, but it is not just a natural ability. It's not just a, um, it's not just a horizontal blessing. It is spiritual. So the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, gifts us to accomplish um, the good and the godly, helps us accomplish spiritual impact, help um, people who don't know Christ, understand Christ, those who are um, are followers of Jesus grow deeper in their faith. And so that it it is to say, what am I, you know, how am I gifted and how do I use that for the kingdom? I think that's important. There's so many spiritual gifts yeah. inventories that you know you can just go you could just Google something if you wanted to find a, an inventory. We have one on our website. Yeah, and uh, is there 19 with it or something? Or I can't remember the exact number. Or 19 or seven or it's 13, 16 or 19. One of those. Yeah, three, okay. One of those three. Um, but so you can take the assessment. I encourage you to do so. Yeah. Uh, we're actually in the process of looking at some other inventories to see if are there some better inventories out there, but. Um, so you could have an unbeliever that takes an inventory and they'll get a list of gifts that right. come out. So how do we make that distinction between, you highlight a good point that there's a difference between a natural gifting and a spiritual gifting. Yeah. How do we know the difference in our life? Because someone might be just naturally hospitable and they like hosting yeah. people for dinner, but uh, that doesn't make them, it doesn't make it a spiritual gift. So how do we distinguish between the two? Yeah. Well, and I should say that well, uh, you know, I'm quick to say it's not a natural ability. Oftentimes it comes in line with a natural ability. So I, I shared that one of my, the thing that kind of rises to the top for me is this servant or helps gift. And as I took an assessment many years ago, it says helps is your primary gift, but your other gifts operate through that. And so I say, well, I love to serve. I love to help. And, you know, that's, when I was younger, if somebody's moving, I was like the first guy that signed up. If somebody, you know, fence fell down, I, I just loved to go over and help build a fence. So it was often a physical manifestation of how can I help? How can I serve? How can I be an assistance? And and I think as I've come to understand, it's a spiritual gift that has spiritual impact. It's saying, how can I take what I love doing and God has placed on my heart to help and serve to bring spiritual impact. So when I teach, I want to help people understand God. Um, when I lead, I want to um, help the you know help those get better. I want to help people. 
So, so everything kind of runs through. So, so I, I encourage, like, if if your gift is mercy, you're probably a good listener. You might be a good counselor. You have an empathetic heart. But pray that God would fill you with an understanding of how to point this person to God, to trust in God, to share a little bit of your story. If your gift is exhortation or encouragement, you know, how do I bring biblical truth? Does that yeah. So it's thinking about, I like that spiritual impact piece. So if there's, maybe there's a way we can think of how have we seen, if we look in the past, so if we're trying to figure out what our spiritual gifts are, maybe we look in our, our own histories to see how has God used the gifts that we have to impact somebody else's life because that might be a good indicator that you know if you if you if you feel like you have the gift of teaching and you can think back over the course of your over your life and see those instances where your teaching has had a a bigger impact than it would in just your own natural human abilities mm-hmm. maybe that's a good indicator that this is a spiritual gift yeah. that God has given you since the purpose of spiritual gifts are to are they're not for us? I mean, they're gifts to be given away. Yeah, um, to bless you, others. Yeah, you could be. You could have someone who vocationally is a teacher, but their primary gift is exhortation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have someone in the hospitality industry whose gift, actual gifting, is leadership. Yeah. So, so it doesn't always line up. But I, I challenged. Um, you know, like if you're a teacher and you're gifted in teaching, um, find ways to say, how do I teach? Biblical principles. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I teach the the good news of the gospel? Um, yeah, I was I was in a conversation with a corporate leader, and and uh, this person says, you know, I, I I do all sorts of corporate training, and I, I read the Word of God all the time, and I bring those principles in, and I tell them, hey, you know, I've, I've I'm sharing with you these principles today, and if you want to know my resource or my book, just reach out to me individually. And then he'll say, I, I read that in the Bible. But he doesn't use that in that corporate setting. But the man is a teacher. Um, <laughs> he is a, he's an incredible leader. And he finds ways without, you know, that corporate setting where you can't teach Bible, but he teaches principles. And then he has individual conversations about his faith. I like that because, you know, we think, I mean, God's the author of creativity, too. I mean, he's yeah. a creative God. And I think that gives us the freedom to think, what are some of the creative ways that we can put our spiritual gifts into practice? Because yeah. you might not be up front, you know, we have one person every Sunday mm-hmm. uh, preaching from up front. So if you're, li- you know, our listeners aren't preaching yeah, the from the ratio is very small. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so many other ways that we can think of, you know, and opportunities we can yeah. have for, for teaching and um, encouraging or exhorting somebody else to. Yeah live in a particular way to be obedient to Christ. Yeah, showing mercy and showing hospitality and, and all of these spiritual gifts. It really is fascinating. Again, I want to go back to Tucker. You encourage people to go to our website, and we are you know, constantly trying to improve, and we're looking at a new assessment. But you can find it there. Take that assessment and, and then you know, follow up with a conversation. Have a conversation with someone on our staff to say, you know, what does this mean, and how do I – how do I live into this? Um, I, I want to see that impact spiritually that's beyond my own effort. Um, if this is my gifting, how do I do that? And and I think that's just really, really important. I mean, And you, you highlight an important 
thing too is just by going and taking an assessment is that's a good step, but have that follow up conversation because I think a lot of times we can learn more from that conversation where someone can affirm a gift that they see from our inventory or yeah. say, well, you know, this other gift is a little lower on your list, but I've seen you excel at this in other ways, you know, in, in, in ways in the past. So having that conversation, I think, is a really critical part of discerning what our spiritual gifts are, especially since they're supposed to be for the community. Absolutely. We don't want to discover these yeah. gifts on our own. <laughs> yeah. We want the community's input. I, yeah, I probably took three different gifts assessments through uh, high school and college, and I just kind of looked at my uh, my list alone, and I thought, I'm not sure how I'm ever going to use that. Um, yeah, it wasn't until I kind of moved out of my own space and said, what does this look like in community? What does this look like as other people reflect? Did I did I begin to get some sorts of clarity mm-hmm. um, and focus in how God has gifted me? Any closing thoughts that you have for our listeners that you'd want to leave them with? Um, yeah, I, th- I think just this you know celebration of the fact that the Spirit is in us, um, the Spirit is with us, and the Spirit, in some sense of Old Testament, comes on us for particular times and needs and impact uh, ministry. But but again, it's discovery, it's understanding who you are, it's living into that, um, it's celebrating the fact that God has not only saved us, but he has filled us with his spirit and gifted us um, for for ministry impact, which is really exciting. The reason why, again, we, we, we started out this episode with just tracing the, the role of the spirit in the Old Testament and the life of Jesus and in the, in the life of the church is to show that we, we have something that David and, and Samson and uh, the prophets, um, even uh, John the Baptist... Uh, did not have. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. That's right. And that's an amazing, that's an amazing truth yeah. and reality and, and not something to take lightly. Um, so I think my encouragement would be to uh, maybe do your own Bible study. If, you know, if you're listening to this, you feel like you just don't have a good grasp on the role of the Spirit that we see in, in Scripture. Maybe to just uh, do a, a Bible search uh, for the Spirit in, in the Old and New Testament and do a little study on how we see the Spirit at work. Uh, and then not to underestimate the incredible power that we have, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living within us, mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. So well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate you being on today and um, entertaining this idea of thank uh, you. This uh, was fun. biblical theology of the Spirit and the role of the Spirit in our life today. I want to thank you uh, as our listeners. If you have um, more questions uh, about today's episode or if you have topics you'd like us to address on future episodes, you can email us at podcast at calvarychurch.us. Uh, you can check us out in person on Sunday mornings. Our service times are at 9 o'clock and 10.30 at both of our campuses. You can also uh, check us out online at calvarychurch.us. Uh, we look forward to having you join us again next week.